For today's episode, I'd like to highlight the work of a fantastic industry charity. The film and TV charity supports people in the UK film and TV industry at every stage of their career and beyond. From their important work on mental health, which led to the creation of the Whole Picture Programme, and their help for crew being affected by COVID-19. If you, a member of your family or a friend who works in the industry, needs help or someone to talk to, please go to filmtvcharity.org.uk. Let's get started. Hola, film family. I'm Isusko, your host, a.k.a. The Time Scheduler. Welcome to the Film Gods podcast, which is a chat with the best of the UK film crew who make all of those beautiful moving images you watch every day. I want to give a special thanks to Island Studios for the recording space. Thank you, Mark, Mitch, Pauline, and the whole team. And wherever you're listening, I hope you enjoy. Big love. Okay, so hello, uh, hello from family. Uh, I've got a very special guest today who, um, over the last few years of my seconding, has had to put up with multiple emails and phone calls um, about the topic that we're going to talk today. It's not a typical podcast where we're talking to someone specifically working on film sets and how they got in, but today we're going to talk with someone, a very knowledgeable person, about the legislation um, with working with children on film sets. So hello, if you'd like to tell the listeners who you are and you a little bit about, about your background. Hello, my name is uh, Jo Booth and I've worked uh, for a local, different local authorities for the past 22 years dealing with children in performance and entertainment. I'm now retired, but, I, <laughs> uh, but in my spare time I still do uh, chaperone training and uh, I work for, and help out with the uh, NNCE, the National Network for Children in Entertainment and Employment, uh, which is a, a voluntary organisation of all lo- local authorities all um, involved in looking after children while they're taking part in performances and other uh, members of the public and cast and crew who are also doing the same job. Okay. And so I guess bit of background is it something that you did you always just love the film industry or is it something specific about working with children or what made you how did you get to where you were well I started by uh, as a woman returner after my youngest went to school full-time working in the uh, education welfare department of our local authority uh, and part of the education welfare officer's responsibility other than ensuring children attended school when they should do was to um, monitor and enforce the legislation surrounding children who are taking part in entertainment or indeed working and protecting them making sure all the relevant licenses were issued. Uh, And I found it very enjoyable. Uh, And then as my career developed, concentrated more and more on child employment and Mm -hmm. child performance Mm -hmm. uh, and have done that for the last 20 odd years. Wow. How does it feel? It was good. It was great fun. Lots of uh, exciting times, lots and lots of hard work. Um, But also the downside of children being involved in entertainment and performances is it's not always wonderful. Mm. And there, there are children out there who are suffering different forms of abuse not nice things happen to them Mm -hmm. they're being exploited and it's up to the local authority to encourage good practice amongst all the uh, 
yeah. staff and, and crew yeah, and yeah. people who are looking after our yeah. children to make sure that they have an amazing experience. It's a wonderful, it should be a wonderful experience. You know, you've been on a film set. It's There's so much for children to gain from being involved in films and television work, uh, but there is also a not very nice side to the job. Yeah. So I guess to make sure that children have a wonderful experience is there any documents or anything like that to make sure that film crews don't abuse the children is there is there a legislation is there anything that we work off well yes there's key bits of legislation some of it's very old sections of the 1933 children and young persons act Uh, but it has been uh, altered and there's been regulations brought in since then the most recent of which was the uh Performance and Children, Performance and Activities England Regulations 2014, which came into effect February 2015. And that's the key document Mm -hmm. uh, but there are uh, guidance documents as well Um, but going back to the key legislation document is where is the best place to start and what I'll do is I'll put a little link in the bio of this just so that people can find it somewhere Um, is there is there my normal question to someone who I've been doing this podcast with who's a film crew I'd say well what's the process for you as an individual from pencil to invoice so I guess what would be the starting point for um, a second on a feature or a production manager in um, commercials and short form? We've created this wonderful idea. We would like to use children. What are the processes and what are the things that we need to be doing to get to the shoot day? Well, the first thing to do is select the children that you're going to use. Uh, you need to make sure that uh, they're available, mm-hmm. uh, that they can do what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. So if you want a child uh, to interact with animals, puppy, cat, whatever it may be, fluffy rabbit, you need to make sure that the child isn't going to be frightened by any of that, that they're quite happy to pet the said rabbit or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, if you want them to ride a bike, you need to make sure they can ride a bike. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not just see it written down on a CV. Yes. <laughs> Actually make sure that they can do what you want to do. It was always a good idea to check what you're actually going to ask them to do in your uh, short or film or whatever it may be. Is there adult content? Are there emotional issues? Are these children going to be given nightmares by whatever you're Mm -hmm. asking them to do? Is there a physical element? Uh, Think about it from the child's point of view and bear in mind that not all children are the same. Uh, they ver- yeah. what they can do is hugely different according to their ages and their own experiences. So planning, advanced planning, is mm-hmm. always the key. And how much planning? So say on a on a um, on a feature film, there may be more time. What time allocation process? They kind of, I guess, it takes you as long as it takes you to find your child. You then go to go through an agent. You go straight to the local authority. What's the process of starting the the licensing? Well, the best way is to do all of those at once. Okay. So while you go to the agent or or use whatever uh, casting methods you're going to be involved, Mm -hmm. at the same time be talking to the local authority. Uh, A good film, uh, as I have had in the past, will come to uh, a knowledgeable local authority member of staff, preferably the local authority where you're going to be 
doing most of your filming. Okay. Um, Not where the children are living. You'll need to speak to the one where they live, the child's own local authority, mm. obviously. Um, but if you're still at the selection process and you haven't narrowed it down to whichever local authorities the children come from, then you could speak to the local authority where your film studio is based, okay. for example. Yeah. Um, they're the ones who are going to be making any inspections. Mm-hmm. As talk to them up front exactly what you're planning. The earlier you talk to the local authority, the much easier it is to make sure that your planning takes into account the difficulties, as you might see them, the vagaries of the individual licensing regulations so that you can plan for night shoots you can Mm -hmm. make sure that you're taking into account education facilities you can think about all the different aspects in advance talk to the local authority as early as possible and then once you've chosen your child you need to speak to that child's local authority again as early as possible so that you can iron out any problems before they become problems Mm -hmm. And you can provide all the information that's required as quickly as possible, rather than having to have a to in and fro in between the local authority coming back in, back to you because you haven't given them enough information. Okay. And what information would they be looking for? What information do we need to have in pre-production to send to the local authorities? Well, first of all, you need to complete the relevant um licence application form for the child. It's the same form for all children. There's one standard form. Uh, Some local authorities use online application processes, Mm -hmm. but essentially it's the same form for every local authority. And it's a fairly comprehensive form, as you probably have (laughs) discovered. Um, But as complete it as with as much detail as possible, Mm -hmm. as much detail about what the child is going to actually be doing and where they're going to be doing it, and for how long they're going to be doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, Exact addresses with postcodes. It's no good just putting London down as your filming site. Put the exact detail down. Um, And as well, of course, you need the child's information. Um, You need permission for the child to be absent from school. Who does that normally get given by? That would normally... It it would normally be the child's parent would Mm -hmm. go to the school and obtain that permission. But the school will probably not want to give that permission until they know the extent of the absence. Mm -hmm. If the child's going to be absent for more than a week, you need to be thinking about putting tutors in place so that the child's education doesn't suffer. Schools are going to be a lot happier about allowing their child out if they know that there's going to be tuition provided. Mm -hmm. You need to start thinking about chaperones. I would always recommend using registered chaperones rather than the child's parent. Mm -hmm. Parents can often be a false economy because they don't know the regulations. Mm -hmm. A good... A registered chaperone will have the child's best interests at heart always, but they will be a very useful person to make sure that you as a second AD um, or and the rest of the crew don't inadvertently contravene any of the legislations. Yeah. They'll keep you legal, keep yeah. you on top. Keep the production company keep on the side of the law. And they will be able to help... Uh, make sure that the filming goes as smoothly as possible so that the child gives a good performance. Mm. So they are a very useful addition to have. Uh, parents get in the way, usually. Unless it's a very young child. Yes. 
babies in arms and ba- babies toddlers children under the age of about five that okay. are perhaps not used to being at school mm-hmm. um they may it may be useful to have a mum around yeah. But I would always say have mum and a chaperone. So mm-hmm. if you, you're filming, say, with three or four little ones, have three or four, each one have their own parent, mm-hmm. um, but have a chaperone as well. Is there a number of children that one chaperone can look after? Well, the legal uh, regulations allow one chaperone to look after 12, but I've yet to come across a chaperone that will look up, will be happy to look That's after tough. 12 five-year-olds. Even yeah. 12 15-year-olds is, is oh. a bit of a handful. And given that you have to have the chaperone with the child at all times... All the children, all the 12. All the 12 children, yeah. uh, you will need far more chaperones so than one if, for every 12 if, children. If that, if that one chaperone has got the 12 children, say shooting in a school, they've got their own classroom, the toilet's a minute and a half walk around the corner, if one of the children need to go to the toilet and you've got one chaperone, do they need to take all of the children? You have to take all 12 children <gasps> with you. <laughs> can't leave any with you can't wow. leave any child with anybody other than uh, the chaperone so you can't have one of the assistant producers looking after the yeah. kids while the chaperone takes one of the children to the toilet similarly you can't have one of the runners taking a child to the no. children it places the um, unregistered person mm. who's not a registered chaperone mm. places them in a vulnerable position all sorts of allegations can be made. Yeah. So it's not to be recommended. And how do you become a chaperone? Is there a course or do you just do it for experience? Is it To become a registered chaperone, and uh, anybody can do that, it's a useful string to have to your many bows, yeah. um, you apply to your own local authority where you okay. live and follow their process. Most local authorities have information about how to apply as a chaperone okay. um, on their website. Is it, does every, is this, is there, is like a standard course that you, it's all, but do, or do different boroughs have different things that they like to do or what, what what's the training for a chaperone? Uh, uh, different boroughs do things in different ways. Okay. Some of them have got more resources than others. Um, all of them will involve you completing an application form, running uh, an enhanced DBS check. Mm-hmm. They usually take up two references um, as well. Many local authorities will also check their own social care records mm-hmm. um, and more and more chaperones um Sorry, more and more local authorities run chaperone training Mm -hmm. that the chaperone has to attend. Uh, There is also now some very good online chaperone training, which the NSPCC have. Um, Having been involved in the development of that, I know that it is excellent. (laughs) Um, and you can do that. I think it costs about £25, and it's an online. That's really cheap. um, training it doesn't qualify you as a chaperone no, but it you gives can, you a real good basis but it's of, a use, of knowledge it's a useful basis of knowledge uh, to, but to be a registered chaperone you have to go through a local authority okay. um, and go through their process but the if you want to do the NSPCC training um, without being a registered chaperone or in addition to being a registered chaperone, then that's a good idea. I did not know that. It that's only not, came that... online last Easter, maybe. 
Oh, so it's fairly us, recent. It now being um, February 2020, so. Easter of 2019, yes. just in case no. someone's listening to this podcast in year 2050. No. Actually, no, I think it probably came online around about October 18, 2018. Oh, well, okay. It was, yeah, it was back I end just, of the summer never, in 2018. It's, it's never even popped on my radar. Oh. So that's it. So go to the NSPCC website. NSPCC Is website. Is there like a little link somewhere? Yes. If you look at look Children at in, perform- in Entertainment, I think it is. Yeah. Um, and there's all sorts of useful things that they have researched, made available, mm-hmm. including the links to some of the legislation which are on the NS- NNCEE website. I always get that. I always get yes. that. <laughs> I've got um, <laughs> So, yes, there are links to documents on the nncee.org okay. website. But there is now this... Which they've got their, They've got a... Um, I don't know whether I'd call it a, a useful guide or it, it, it takes the legislation uh, and it's turned it into a document that I've been using for my ADing. Um, is that something that y- we can talk about? Is that, yes. Is that a document that you would advise ADs to read? Is it something that chaperones would have read? What, what I guess, as, as a second AD wanting to have as much knowledge about filming with children... What should we know? Well, the uh, NNCEE, a guide to child performance licensing, which is on the NNCEE website. .org.co.uk. Yep. Is an explanation of the regulations and a guide as to how the regulations can be interpreted the, the effect that they have on uh, common situations that you would find in the wor- world of TV, film, okay. as well as stage productions and other mm-hmm. performances. Um, it is subject to amendment as different uh, ideas and situations develop mm-hmm. um, and there is due to be a, um, an, uh, an update of it will be published if it hasn't already been published just mm-hmm. recently. Uh, so that's a very good um, guidance, explanation document. It's got examples of good practice okay. um, and how the legislation can actually be interpreted. Mm-hmm. It's it's essentially written for local authorities, but is very useful for chaperones and, in fact, anybody involved in working with children in the entertainment mm. industry. Because it was, it was reading through that legislation and the NNCEE that... I guess working with children and not doing a course of trying to gain as much knowledge, no one taught me as a second in commercials, this is how it's done, this is what you do. Um, And it was only reading through those things that I then subsequently found out that actually grandparents can't act as a chaperone, which, you know, I'd always just naturally assume that they could get the permission from the parent and... That those grandparents could then be a chaperone, but actually, it, it took someone to go. Well, no, you've, it's here in this paperwork. Mm. You can't actually do it. So it's it's those little things that I think what I'd love to do is maybe talk about and and the processes of working on set with children, um, the ins and outs of it, the paperwork. We can we can um, I'll get people. I'll put them up on the link so that they can read it. But what things should we be doing as ads? from my background on, on short form on content what should we what do we need to have in place 
to make sure that one the production company um, is lawful and two that the, the children just have a, a wonderful experience well you need to think about what the children are actually going to be doing mm -hmm. and plan accordingly um, obviously you need to have performance licenses children mm -hmm. can't take part in these kind of productions and if whether irrespective of whether they're being paid irrespective of whether they're missing school they will still need a performance license mm -hmm. so you've got to apply for one of those from your local authority when it's issued you need to make sure that it is correct that it has got on it what you want it to have mm -hmm. mistakes do happen a performance a performance license is not valid it's not legal unless it includes the date and time and place of where the ch child is going to be performing, as well, of course, as the child's photograph and mm. their um, their details. That time. The time has been something that I've heard has, I guess, on short form at the minute, everything's very last minute. L how long would it take for a licence to be approved? That's one of the very big uh, variations mm. and questions. Um, we need to encourage productions to uh, cast the children as early as possible in the process. Mm. Don't leave them till the last thing. Yeah. Cast them as early as possible because applications for performance licences have to be made um, legally the local authority is not obliged to issue a licence unless they get 21 days' notice. Now, wow. we know 21 days is never going to happen in this business. Yeah. Um, many local authorities will issue licences if they get 10 days' notice. Okay. Some ask for seven. There are a few who are increasingly um, finding that they can issue a licence. They have the resources to issue licences with five working days. Wow. But find out from your you local need to go to the local exactly. Okay. You need to go to the local authority for the child because mm. there are some who just they're one person doing the job part time. Yeah, they don't have the resources to be able to turn licenses around quickly. Mm. The more information you can put on the application form, the easier it is for the local authority mm. to issue that license. Uh, because there doesn't have to be too much to in and fro in. But you do need to get those applications in as early as possible and then make sure that when the licence is issued, you um, have checked it's correct. Mm. You so need, what happens... I'm so sorry. You to... need to have the licence with you. Yeah, on... as paper. That's Well, that's how I've always... It should be on paper. It's the, it's the 1933 legislation <laughs> coming out there. It is. <laughs> However... Um, when I was making inspections, um, I was always quite okay if I could see an electronic version oh, because okay. the world moves sure on. The safest way is to make sure you've got it printed yeah. and it's so much easier to check if you've got it in a nice folder and you can see mm -hmm. all the paper. Yeah. It's all beautifully organised. Mm. Looking at licences on somebody's smartphone <laughs> is very difficult. <laughs> so I haven't got my reading glasses on today, yeah. So it is better to have it in paper form, but, okay. you know, if it's a bit last minute and it's been emailed over, then you may not actually have a printer yeah. out on location. Is that right? So there, it, there, there was an instance last year where the licence was made, I think it was two weeks before, and then, because obviously the first AD comes on the job, you know, six days before the shoot and all the rest mm. of it, and instead of 12 till 9.30... 
it needed to be 10 till 7.30, but they couldn't change the, you know, the timings had already been approved on the, on the, on the license for one set of time, but the schedule needed to change because of locations. How does that, I guess, is that, is it a gray area or is it, no, that's, that's what it need. That's what it has to be. If the license doesn't show what you want it to show on it, be it times, be it location, mm-hmm. locations do change at the last minute. Yeah. Um, always, always go back to the issuing local authority okay. at the earliest of possible. You know, know, straight away, as soon yeah, yeah. as you know, yeah. and then be guided by them. Okay. They will have to make um, an adjustment to the license. Mm-hmm. Some of them will issue a whole new license. Okay. Uh, others will send you an email to say you've told them Copy of that. the understood. details. Thank understood. Thank yeah. you very much. Um, some of the changes will the local authority who has issued the license needs to know the changes so they can pass that information on to the local authority where the filming is actually taking place. Okay. Um, Could the production manager do that, or do you? Le- is there a chain of command for information? No, it it would be easier and save the local authority a certain amount yeah. of, uh, of of work if you tell the local authority where you're filming that the the location has moved or the timings have mm. moved. I guess one email with two email addresses yeah. CC'd in, you know, it's, you've kind of you've done, saving everyone a job. That's that's correct. And then it makes it easier for the um, issuing local authority to either do a reply all and say, yes, that's okay, we mm-hmm. we note the change, if that's the way they're working. It also means that when, if they do issue a new licence, then they can electronically send it to all the right people at the right time with one email. Mm. We need to use modern technology. <laughs> yeah, to our advantage. <laughs> to our advantage. And also, I guess, as I've asked that question, it's useful, and, and I'm only really coming from a short form, that a first AD gets those licenses and looks at the time. So as they're scheduling, they are able to say, well, actually, that 10 till 7.30, that 5 till 6, you know, whatever it is, that needs to adjust because then that can happen two, three days before the shoot. If, you know, as you said, the sooner the better. So I guess that's a little checklist for me. So that's that's quite a useful thing to... I've learned something. Thank you. (laughs) Amazing. Um, So we've, we've got them, we've licensed, the paperwork's printed... They turn up, they're called times nine, the cabs stand up ha- half hour early. Do I send them away? Do I let them sit on the bus? When, what's the, what do I do if, they're, if the cab's not stuck in traffic and they've got them there a little tail early? It's always a difficult one, this one. According to the legislation, the clock starts ticking as soon as a child arrives at the unit base yep. or studio mm-hmm. or wherever the filming is going to take place. Mm-hmm. However, taxi companies will always allow time for traffic and Mm. sometimes the child arrives a bit early. And it's really silly to um, say, no, you've got to go away and drive around for half an hour and then come back. You know, that's not in the child's best interest, is it? So I would anticipate, again, I can only speak from my own experience, but if I was out making an inspection and obviously one of the first things we're going to need to see is the daily record sheets, your Mm. daily schedule. And if that says that the child arrived um, 15, 20 minutes earlier than it was supposed to, um, but was still going to be there for the full however many hours they're allowed at the place of performance, Mm -hmm. uh, 
I'm not going to be concerned about it. It's obviously clearly in the child's best interest mm-hmm. not to make them drive around the block 10 times yeah. in order to waste time. However, if the it becomes apparent that uh, production companies are using that and it's happening every day and consequently the child is at the place of performance for eight and a half nine ten hours or whatever depending on ages every day Mm -hmm. then it's clear that you know things are being taken to extremes and that is not in a child's best interest it's a long enough day nine and a half hours nine and a half hours for a nine-year-old an average person works for eight hours and yet, nine year, it's legal for a nine-year-old to be at the place of performance. That doesn't take into account travelling no. time. And some children travel for an, an hour. hour and a half, yeah, two, two hours, hours maybe, yeah, yeah. before they even arrive at the studio, to then be there for nine and a half hours and have another two and a half hours or two hours or whatever mm. back home again. That's a long day for anybody. Yeah. And if they're doing it two, three, four, maybe even six days... Mm. That is not going to be good for the child. And so I would anticipate that an inspecting local authority would be concerned if child was arriving early every day mm. for a, you know three or four days. Yeah. Occasionally, it's not a problem. On a one, two-day commercial when they've turned up and it's, you know, you've allocated... You've, you know, they turn up half-hourly one day, right, well, then you call the cab a little bit later and they, you know, 15 minutes, yes. it's... Okay, and then my so my checklist. Any time I see that I have children, I always kind of make sure that I've got enough chaperones. I guess for the instances that we talked before, because there's 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 going to be times that you film with some of the children. Some of the children aren't on set, so they need to be back in the green room. Mm-hmm. And then if one of the children on set or in the green room needs to go to the toilet, you're not taking a whole load. So my I always have a little checklist. Um, Make sure I've got enough chaperones if mm-hmm. I, if, if I can. Um, the the toilet situation was something that when I first started, we could you know we we'd have a cubicle in a honey wagon and you just put a, one on the door in the cubicle and then it it seemed like my understanding of the legislation changing in twenty fourteen um, a single single entity so single door unit. So if I was at a leisure centre and there was a disabled toilet or if I was a coffee shop and there was a a disabled toilet, I could use that as a child toilet because no other adult would be able to Mm -hmm. kind of go in. So that's... Is that that right? Is that... Or should... Can you still use a cubicle and just put a toilet... Children's toilet on a cubicle? The children have to have um, separate gender toilets separate from the adults. And it's not just a cubicle in a public toilet space mm. which has maybe got four cubicles yeah. and so you give one make one of them for the children that's not no. appropriate okay. uh, but nevertheless you can still use those um, facilities what we always tell chaperones is where you are using public um, toilets male toilets separate female toilets mm-hmm. um, which are shared with other members of the cast and crew, then the or chaperone members public, or members of the public, yeah. the chaperone takes a child to the facility, mm-hmm. makes sure there are no adults in the whole, any oh, of the okay. cubicles or at the wash basins, yeah. or waits until everybody's come out, yeah. allows the children to go in and use the facility, stands mm-hmm. outside the door to make sure no adults go in while the children are in there. Mm-hmm. And then oh, okay. when the children are finished, 
takes them back to the green room and then the facilities are available for so other okay. members of the public. If you're on... I guess a, that's a last... That's, that's, that's a, a kind of last, last resort, resort, really. If you're on a film set, then I would tend to expect there to be separate honey wagons for hmm. the children. Large amount of cast of children. Yeah, if, yeah. especially if you've got a large amount of cast. Yeah. You've got, if you've got the odd one or two children... Because um, honey wagons now, they've got two female single units yeah. at the back of the honey, so I kind of just... I email production and say, look, if you haven't already kind of sorted out the loose, can you just choose the ones they've got? The men's have got the side door. There's two at the back for the ladies, and I just stick a sign on one of them, and then that's our children. So I I would expect there to be, um, if you've got, certainly if you've got a, a large more number of children, two. or more, yeah. you know, more than 10 children, okay. say, yep. then I would expect them to have um, a separate honey wagon. Makes sense. Girls and boys. Mm-hmm. Um, can if, the chaperones use those toilets? Can their parents use those toilets or is it, you know, would the chaperone need to then go and use an adult-only toilet? Uh, the, well, they should, the key issue is to make sure that the um, nobody other than the chaperone is with the children yep. and there are no adults in the facilities mm-hmm. at the same time as the okay. children. Um, so, yes, you need... To, <laughs> Essentially, you're going to need two chaperones so that one chaperone can be with the children toilet. while the other chaperone's going to the yeah. toilet. Yeah. You know, yeah. Apart or from taking one to the or, wardrobe makeup or yes. being on set. So yes. it's, I guess figuring out the amount of children, looking at the schedule, figuring out the processes, the elements that you're going to have that day will then give you your number of mm. people that you need. If you're. Um, so if you're filming on a big film set, certainly if you've got large groups of children, you would. I would like to see a separate honey wagon for girls and boys okay if you've just got um two or three children then you know they can have use of a winnebago mm. one of the rooms in a three-way or a two-way mm-hmm. which is designated for the children and of course they've got toilets in there mm-hmm. so you know if you've got two or three main cast children for example you would probably have um a three-way for each of the three chip one one room for each of the three children possibly mm-hmm. and of course then they've all got their own individual toilets so and which leads me nicely into green rooms again reading the legislation i guess the question that i would ask is can i have can a children's green room be their wardrobe and makeup space um because the way they're understanding their green room, no adults are allowed to be using that space at any time. So I would always have, uh, if we're in a house, one room is the wardrobe and makeup, and then one room is just for children. That's the that would be ideal. Mm. Um, the children should have their own space where they can relax yeah. uh, in the company of uh, the chaperones, mm. or if you've got um, parents with children which is not recommended, then obviously they're going to be... Each parent will need to be with their child. Mm-hmm. Um, so separate green rooms are ideal. Quite often you see the dining bus, which is also the green room for the children, where they eat their meals there as well mm-hmm. as separate play games one for and children, things. Not one that they share with... They don't share it with them, yeah. yes. That, that sometimes works, covers all bases. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you've only got um, a, you know, small numbers of children, you might have Winnebago's. Mm-hmm. And, and say you've got two girls and two boys, you'd have two boys in one half of a, of a two-way and, and the two girls in the other half of the two-way or mm-hmm. three-way or whatever are you're they, using. Could, could I use one Winnebago for all of them and are they allowed to change at the same time or do I need to be mindful of 
who I'm changing and when. Well, what if you've got one Winnebago? So if I've got one Winnebago for four kids, two are boys, two are girls. Can I get all of them? Cha- so there's like a front section, which is the living room, and then the back section I've turned into wardrobe and makeup. Can all four children change oh. at the same time? No, the girls have got to change separate to the boys. Okay. But the two boys can go in together and the two girls can go in together. Okay. But uh, you can't have them get separate gendered dressing spaces when it comes to getting dressed and undressed. Mm -hmm. And they need to be given the privacy that um, even a shy child deserves. Yeah. Uh, No, these are children who invariably will do as they're told Mm -hmm. because that's the type of child that's involved in these kind of performances and so um asking a child to change in unsuitable circumstances that child will do it they won't like it but they will Mm. probably do it but that's not fair the child needs to be getting changed in proper accommodation not some cupboard or some place that is in a field Yes, yeah. you know they need proper change facilities. The same applies to toilets. I've seen some very dodgy looking toilets <laughs> in some very dodgy looking studios yeah. um, where you know even an adult's going to think twice about whether it's really hygienic enough for them to use. Yeah. Um, it's very dangerous to try and insist that children use those kind of facilities mm-hmm. because if a child isn't keen, isn't happy to use that, they will hold it. Mm. which will lead to accidents and also health problems and not a great performance. So you need to make sure that the children are in nice, clean facilities Mm. that that not only would you as an adult be happy to use, probably even better than we... As adults, we can weigh up the pros and cons of whether we want the job. If that means we've got to use those disgusting loos, we'll do it because we want the job. We shouldn't expect children to have to make that decision. Okay. So they've turned up. It's day one. We're filming. What is it that I need to be recording? What is it that I need to be mindful of? And we'll just use, I guess, there's um, there's different hours for different children and we won't go into the specifics for each age. Say I've got a... I've got a a 10-year-old, so we're over nine. They can be there for nine and a half hours. Um, what is it that I need to be recording and how do I document that? We call them the daily record sheets. Um, yeah. Same sort same of thing. thing. Uh, there are different ones available out there on the uh, on the market. They're basically a grid and you're logging every five minutes or every 15 minutes depending on which version you're using you're recording when they when they arrive when they're in makeup when they're in wardrobe when they're rehearsing when they're actually performing when they're resting meal breaks other breaks all that information basically exactly what the children are doing for every five minute or 15 minute slot during the course of the day so that you can add up the totals to make sure they don't prefer perform for more than their allotted time that they've got the minimum and actually more than the minimum number of breaks Mm -hmm. uh, at all the relevant different times Uh, it's quite complicated um often it gets devolve down to the chaperone to complete because the chaperone's with the child 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. But it is actually production's responsibility. Yes. So there has to be communication between 
the AD or mm-hmm. and the chaperone as to who actually is going to complete. Um, well, I always, uh, being a second, I always like to do my own as well as the chaperone. That's even better. There. And I, so what I've started doing now for the runners that want to be ADs, I'm like, I print them off one, mm. I give it to them in the morning, and it's a chance for them to then practice. Because when, when I started, I'd never seen a record sheet, which is why, so I made my own record sheet, which did per five minute, mm. and I gave it to the ADA, and I'm handing them out to other chaperones, because in commercials, 15-minute blocks of time are just too it was just too big because they'd go on for five for a performance, go off and rest for five whilst ten whilst we relit and all the rest of it. Uh, and I get my runners to now practice. The resting and what, the difference between resting and when they're on performance. You have to think about whether the child Standby. is actually resting. Yes, completely. Um, and so I would not count resting unless they're essentially in back room. in the dressing room or you in can. the green room. If they're just stepping off set while the things are shifted around a bit, ready for the next mm-hmm. uh, bit of filming, they're on standby. That counts as performance. Which is an S on my <laughs> <laughs> It still counts as performance time. Oh, really? Yeah, they're, because oh, okay. they're not resting. They're not yeah. back in the green room having a, having a break. What, that's, that's news to me. Because I've never, so I guess I guess in, in because we kind of do little chunks, then they go away to their green room. There's very there's not that many times that they're just sitting and waiting because it's like they come on, we've lit, we're done, it's shoot, it's go, it's come back. But the standing by being as performance time, that's that's well, that's the the best way of doing it. That you have you get you make all the pre- preparations, mm-hmm. you get the children in, you do the shoot. And then the children go back to the green room. Yeah. And then you make whatever adjustments you do. Mm. But not all productions work like that. Mm. Some of them will have the children stand on standby while they make the adjustments. Mm-hmm. That's not a rest. Yes, yeah. they may be able to have a glass of water or something, yeah. but it's not a proper rest. So, and so even that so that S would count towards their five hours or their three and a half hours or their time yes. as performance. Which is there anything else that could happen on set that would constitute as performance? Uh, well, rehearsal counts as a performance as well. Okay. Uh, rest is, when they're resting, downtime. Mm. And if they're doing anything else, then it counts as working. Mm. Um, I would also... The regulations now are so flexible that you've got a lot more time before the children need to have a break. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you know, it's it's, it's, it's unlikely that is... you're going to ex- no. ex- uh, exceed the regulations. Mm. They've been made very much more flexible and they're very much user-friendly towards the production companies. Mm. It, I guess one of the... One of the I guess maybe the last times we really spoke was about um, that chaperone's discretion, which was this allocated time. If I've used up all of their performance time, that half hour after they can, after they're technically allowed to go, does that that means I that's not something that we can use? Oh, that was only ever in place for. When filming had been delayed due to exceptional circumstances, Mm -hmm. so, you know, you were filming outside and it rained heavily and so you couldn't film. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just that things took a lot longer. Uh, That, it never applied. Yes, that never applied then. But in exceptional circumstances, 
uh, you know, such as I said, you know, you're filming outside and it rains. Yeah. Um, there was uh, the chaperone's discretion of mm-hmm. half an hour and uh, or an hour. Uh, but the way the regulations have been written, effectively, that only now applies in exceptional circumstances after the last permitted time, as in Regulation 21, which means after 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night. So effectively, it's useless. Yeah. Uh, and it used to be able to be um, used if... Uh, Filming was delayed when the children were due to finish at 4.30 or 7 o'clock, depending on their age. And mm. then it was a useful um, addition. Mm. But it no longer applies now. The way the regulations have actually been written, mm. it's illegal to use it uh, unless it's really late at night. And if your child's already been there for nine and a half hours and it's 11 o'clock at night... It what makes count. you think they're going to be able yeah. to One to give it. any better performance at that time of mm. night? It's just ludicrous. So I guess that that discretion. It's is it quite widely known that it doesn't? What 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 is? I guess puts a bit. You know, I heard a chaperone a couple a few months ago still kind of say, "Oh, there's this time," and I had to. We we sat and we looked and we read through it. So is it? Is it still a, a grey area or what's... It's something which is not widely known, I would agree. Um, chaperones who've been around for a long time prior to the regulations changing in 2015 would be used to using it. But the way the regulations were drafted, it no longer is effective. Mm. It is beginning to filter out into the industry and there are some big production companies who, having realised that this is a problem... Um, have now banned the use of it at all yeah. because it's it's not in the child's best interest mm. under any circumstances. Mm. Uh, however, it does take a while for old dogs to learn new <laughs> tricks. <laughs> Legislation to change. <laughs> Legislation yeah. to filter through. The uh, guidance... When we spoke about it, it was like... I, I, I'd gone on, it was something that had happened, I was like, I've got to speak to Joe, I've, got, I've just got to kind of talk to someone about it. And even when we spoke, it was still very much a, well, actually, the way that it's worded felt like it was just a drag and drop from the old legislation and hadn't amended itself to the 11 o'clock. Mm. So, uh, the, I, yeah, I was just, it was, it was... It, it, yeah, I don't know why I'm... It's something that the way the legislation was drafted, it wasn't picked up about the anomaly yeah. that it was yes. creating. Yeah. Uh, and it needs amending. Mm. Uh, but at the, until the Department for Education issue a new guidance or mm. a new statutory instrument to actually change that bit of the regulations, mm. and it has to be done by an Act of Parliament, essentially, yeah. statutory instrument... Uh, until that happens, uh, it is if ineffective. It, yeah. it, there are no circumstances when any self-respecting producer w- would be able to use it. No, you don't want to work a five-year-old at 10 o'clock at night for another hour. No, or, a or even a nine-year-old. Yeah. Or to some extent, not even a 10 or even a 15-year-old, hey, if they've already I'm been there. i and I find n- it hard to work till midnight. <laughs> If you're expecting to go home at 11 and suddenly yeah. you've got to stay till midnight, nobody really wants to do no. that, do they? No. So it is 
It is being discussed mm-hmm. um, with We've the started department. a ball rolling. We have, High five. <laughs> <laughs> we have started uh, the discussions with the Department for Education in yep. order to get clarification and uh, an amendment or a statutory instrument issued. Mm. Um, but as we're in the immediate post-Brexit uh, situation, they've got a lot of things on their mind at the moment. <laughs> Okay, so we've, I guess what I'd like to do is just recap. So we've kind of spoken about the licensing process. There's a, an area in the um, NSPCC area that may be runners or new seconds that don't know much. They can go on and do a little course to get some knowledge. The NNCEE has got a load of legislation and paperwork and information in there. We've spoken about the child record sheets or daily record sheets and their purpose and their use if they turn up like at what point it's at a place of performance for nine and a half hours does that mean that they can turn up at hour zero and still be shooting until nine nine and a half hours or is that nine and a half hours in a cab thank you very much goodbye it's nine and it's from when they actually arrive so when they turn up when mm-hmm. the car drives into the unit base to when the car's leaving with them in nine and a half hours. it's nine and a half hours it's not so if wrapped. you've got an hour of wig to take off you can't shoot for nine and a half hours no if you if it's going to take um if it's going to take half an hour or more mm. for the child to be de-makeuped de-wardrobed mm. uh then you've got to stop shooting to allow them sufficient time to do that, to get on the bus from the location back to the unit base and mm-hmm. go through all that process and then be wrapped at the end of the... Uh, sorry, and then leave yeah. by the at the end of that, whatever the eight or nine and a half hour period is. It's and quite specific. For those, I guess, newer production companies that maybe aren't up to speed with it all and they keep on ignoring legislation, what... What is there in place to, I guess education is always one. They should be they shouldn't be knowing this stuff. But if there's a constant break in that legislation, what happens to those companies? Well, ignorance of the law is no defence. Yeah. So they need to inform themselves. They do need to find out about what they can do and what they can't do. Um, but. Inspections are carried out regularly by um, local authority uh, officers and uh, productions can be prosecuted uh, if they commit offence, if it's illegal. Um, there have been... A fine or not working with children or... what what It kind of... I've heard different things from different people about what the outcomes of not keeping in line with the legislation would be. Worst case scenario is that the uh, producer whose name is on the Mm licence is the person ultimately responsible and they can be fined up to £1,000 or subject to three months in prison. Wow. Is it it worth going an hour on a fish finger commercial for three months in prison? Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) But irrespective of whether there's a a prosecution or not... uh, no production wants to get a reputation for no. mistreating or abusing children. or exploiting yeah. children. Nobody wants to have that uh, on their no. CV. 
And is so, there like a three strikes and you're out, or is it just a... No, it's one strike, and you run the risk of a prosecution. Wow. As it, so go to prison, maybe not be allowed to work with children for your agency, your, your production company is... The possibilities are, are <laughs> you know, I couldn't say exactly no, what the what the total ramifications could be. Um, the bottom line is nobody wants to be the cause of a child suffering any no. kind of abuse or yeah. exploitation. Mm. Um, nobody wants to have that reputation. The industry, in my experience, works very much on who you know and hearsay and word gets round yeah. and and that kind of mud sticks mm. and so if you've if you've done something wrong that's got your production into trouble then your name's going to be blacklisted mm. and you may find it hard to get work going forward nobody no. wants that no so um it's it's always best to do it correctly yeah. a it's the law, the law of the land. Yeah. But B, we're dealing with children here. Yeah. It's not, they're not Victorian times. We're not sending no, them out chimneys. we're not. These are not just mini adults no. who can make a decision about whether they're going to go with it or not. Mm. Um, every production, every group of people in this business has a reputation as to whether they're a good person or a good company to work for. Mm-hmm. So nobody wants to have that kind of adverse publicity. And with the child's welfare in mind, we've got a chaperone. Can we have a first aider? Does it need to be a medic? What's what? Is there a number? Like if you've got a runner who's a first aid, does uh, a runner who's a first aider is that suitable enough as protection for the health of the children? Well, the uh, performance regulations don't specify um, that you have to have a first aid trained person most local authorities will always insist on it Mm -hmm. and from a health and safety point of view not just for the children but for all the adults as well Mm -hmm. you need to have some form of um, first aider Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's a paramedic or you know the the normal uh, paramedics that are attached to um, film studios Mm -hmm. will depend on your budget and the the kind of things that the children are going to be doing Mm. it's always a good idea to have um, a proper risk assessment done to take into account the fact that you've got children on on set or Mm. involved in whatever they're doing risk assessment is something that local authorities may ask to see um, when they're deciding on issuing a performance license or not so think about it from all angles to take into account the fact that you have actual children who don't always do as they're told or don't always make sensible decisions. Mm. And I can't reiterate enough, registered, properly trained chaperones will be invaluable. Mm. Chaperones, other than the child's own parent, are the only two categories of people who can look after children on a film set. So grandparents, aunties, uncles, nannies, all pairs, best friend, anybody else like that. Siblings? Like Siblings. Like 18-year-old? Not unless they're yeah. a registered chaperone. Okay. Have to be a registered chaperone to look after the child. And parents don't always realise that. You mm. may have a number of children turning up for a shoot and it's not until they actually arrive that you realise it's not mum that's it's come with a child, it's grandma yeah. or the next-door neighbour. Mm. 
Um, and then you're in difficulties because that child cannot be on that set with anybody other than the chaperone. Can they, can they be... Say if you've got... If you do have, you know, 30 children, 15 have come from an agency and those 15 are allocated to two chaperones. Or I don't know how it works, but then 15 are coming with parents. Can they be added... Can is there like a list or is there something that you can do to add them to be under the care of the chaperones that you have? Or does it does that all need to have been pre-assigned in pre-production? Legally speaking, they could be added to the chaperone. But if mm. you've got a chaperone come from an agency thinking they're looking after these particular seven children mm. and another one looking after those particular seven children and they get stuck with some other children not from their agency, mm. they could, would be within their rights to say, actually, no, we're not oh, looking really? after that child. Okay. We're just employed to look after these children. Yeah. Uh, so it's always a good idea to have spare chaperones if mm. you like that can just be can, can they just have like a blanket or do you just put 12 like can you do, could have a need... floating what well, i okay. call a, a floating chaperone yeah. so if you've got chaperone who has turned up with a number of children yeah. from a particular agency as often yeah. happens that chaperone is only employed to look after those children mm-hmm. um, but then you've got another chaperone who would help with the children who are there ostensibly with their parents. Mm. So suppose you've got 10 children and you've got 10 parents, 10 mums mm. with their 10 children and you're filming in a, a, a sitting room in a house. Mm-hmm. There isn't going to be enough room for all 10 parents no. to be on behind the camera yeah. watching what's happening to their children. Mm-hmm. You can't have anybody else in the they're looking after those children but you could have one chaperone looking after all those 10 children on set Mm. while the mums are sat back in the dressing room and then when the children are finished on set the chaperone takes them back to the green room and they then go into the care of the parents Mm -hmm. and the chaperone can do the toilet runs and all sorts of things like that so it's always a good idea to have a sensible experienced chaperone who will help keep production on track. Amazing. And where did that chaperone need to be? Could they be in another room watching a monitor? No. Not not stuck in a, in a room behind a monitor because then they can only, if they were, they can only see what's happening, what the camera's pointing at. Okay. They need to be in the room with the child. Obviously, they have to make sure... A good chaperone will know how to stand out of the way, mm. but where they can see what's happening to the children. They must have eyes on. Eyes on right, the child. Okay. They must be able to see what's happening around the child. You could have, well, no, heaven forbid that it should happen, but you might have um, a child sat on a sofa with an adult cast member mm-hmm. and the camera's pointing at the child, not realising that the adult cast member is... Touching the child inappropriately. Mm. Nobody can else is paying attention. They're all yeah. doing their own particular job. Yeah. Nobody's going to notice unless mm. the chaperone's there watching. Additionally, if the chaperone can't see the child's face, they can't know when that child is in some kind of difficulty. Okay. If they're looking yeah, distressed because actually they want to go to the loo. Yeah. Nobody's going to be paying any attention to that child unless the chaperone is watching them. And that child, the chaperone should be able to tell, actually, that child's uncomfortable and can signal, do you want to come out? You need a 15-minute break. I need a 15-minute break. Yeah. 
the child's costume might be causing problems. I, mm. I did see one um, advert being filmed where there was a young child who was doing a dance with other adults and the child's costume, she had one of these kind of boob tubes. It was going back a few years when okay. they were the in thing. They're probably back now. The uh, 90s probably, are back. yes. Yeah. And it was slipping and she was desperately trying to do the dance and, and stop the... this boob tube from slipping. Um, but uh, mum, who was there with her, wasn't paying any attention to mm. what she was up to. And uh, the child was having a wardrobe malfunction. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was who was watching the um, what was taking place and seeing how it was all interacting as part of my inspection, had a word with the um, second AD they to do, say, yeah. you need to get the wardrobe mistress to help Just that child because it took two or three minutes and then she yeah. was fine. And the yeah. difference in performance because she wasn't worried about her Completely. costume calling down. Yeah. If the mum, if the chaperone, or if I hadn't been there or if the chaperone wasn't doing their job properly, mum may not have noticed if she sat behind mm. a monitor mm. in the room next door. Yeah. So always in the same room. And that's legislation. That's yeah. not. That's not just. Oh, you know, they, I'd like to be looking. It's like I have to be looking. It's supervised at all times, yeah. and the only way you can supervise at all times is having eyes on. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I feel like we've done a load of stuff. Is there anything that I've missed that's important that I should have asked? <laughs> okay. Um, a few key things I would say for being involved in feature films where you've got main cast children. Mm-hmm. As well as supporting cast children. As well as supporting cast children, mm-hmm. yes. But the issues around times, when you've got main cast children involved in a big feature film that maybe is filmed over, I don't know, three, six months, whatever it is. Yeah. Maybe because, about wizards. Maybe about wizards, yeah. yes. <laughs> whatever. Um, you have got children who need to be... Every shot's got one or other of the children in, yes. usually. Mm. Um, you're going to run into difficulties with hours mm. because you've got to fit in all the various breaks, but you've also got to fit in tuition time. Yes. And you have... You can't do 12-hour days day. like the adults might be yeah. able to do on continuous filming. You've, yeah. got, you, you've got limited time. So it's much easier to encourage the director to use as many doubles as possible try okay. and do shoots with doubles yeah over which, the shoulders over, wear the same yes. thing bit of a wig on so that that takes the pressure off yeah. the main cast children twins triplets twins and triplets are very yeah. useful there's a lot of work to be had if you're Lots. twins or a triplets yeah. don't have the children there at the same time though so okay. if you've got a set of twins playing one role they can't have. They can't Do split shift. Them. Split shift till something, something till something yeah. later. And then you will need two chaperones, three chaperones, yes, a parent. And... You do. Okay. So always Good use. Advice. Always use as many doubles. Be hot on check-in hours. Always check the child's age to make sure that you're using the right set of hours mm-hmm. relevant to the child. Make sure everybody knows that some of these children are going to have to go home. So mm-hmm. it's not just the runner or the second AD saying, actually, this child's got to go home in half an hour. Yeah. Um, make sure first ADs, producers, they directors, know. know. Um, always plan for those type of filming to take longer. It's yes. going to take more days yeah. because you're using children. So would you licence for longer? Say if you, you think I only need them for 10 days, licence for longer just in case? And would you have them as a buffer or would... 
I would say plan for longer. If okay. you think it's going to take 10 days, it probably won't. Mm. It always takes longer. Try not to squeeze too much in in one day because you're dealing with what children. lovely advice. They get tired. Yeah. I've seen children in the first two weeks of a, a three, four-month film and they're lively, they're smiling, they're leaping about all over the place because they're so excited. Mm. And I've gone back to make an inspection um, after maybe 10 weeks of filming and those children are shattered. Mm. Because if you think about it, children are allowed to work for, be at the place of performance for nine and a half hours a day, seven, six days a week. That's a 56-hour working week for a nine-year-old. Some adults don't get close no. to that. It's too much. Yeah. We are talking nine-year-olds. Yeah. They need to sleep a lot longer than we adults yes. do. So allow sufficient time um, and, and think that essentially if you do it in the best interest of the children, if you've got happy, comfortable, warm, rested, well-fed children... They're going to give a much better performance and they'll do it in much, very few takes. Yes. The more tired they are, the more fed up they are, the longer it's going to take. It's like us, even as adults. You know, they, you, if someone feeds you and you can sleep well, you're laughing. You're fine. Yeah. And the other thing I would think about is adult content. Okay. Um, in regards to as language on set language or on set filming and what like the children are actually scene. involved in mm -hmm. um, as the world moves on we're trying to be more um, avant-garde more out mm. there trying to try new things push, push the boundaries, boundaries. Yeah. do bear in mind that children can potentially be harmed they can Mentally. suffer nightmares yeah, okay. they can if you're filming about with things that are maybe adult content, you don't know what's in that child's family history, family yes. background yeah. that might spark, trigger memories mm. they're not happy about. Mm. So build, consult child psychologists, do risk assessments, mm. think carefully how it would be from a child's point of view to be involved in some of these things. What would you recommend, say, if there was a scene and it was going to end up on the screen being very graphic not as graphic in the filming process but a child psychologist f have a few sessions beforehand then do some filming but it, as they're filming have some time to talk to them I guess you want to kind of take the best the best interest for the children have someone there at yeah. all times well maybe having um, yes in an ideal world, you'd have a, 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 a child psychologist as mm. part of your crew. So they're there to be able to provide support mm. and advice. Would um, that count as performance if they're talking to someone that's... Or would that just be part of like a... It's part of their well-being, really, isn't okay. it? And no, they're not performing. No, but, but they're it, speaking. So say if a director went in and spoke for 20 minutes that's about the, the notes... Well, that's but part that's, of work, yes. Yeah, that, that's just more about doing the best for the children it is it's, it's yeah, all right, about okay. doing it's all about doing the best Never for the children about it, to be and, fair. and you also need to think about although you may film something with a, where a child is not necessarily fully aware of what is mm. the end result's going to be you can cut things and props, put a completely bit, different know. slant on yeah. things think about the reaction to for that child when that 
whatever you filmed is is broadcast mm. because children can be subject to bullying mm. because other children might not realize that for example a scene where a child was where there was nudity involved that mm. actually the child wasn't nude mm. when the film was shot mm. but it was filmed in such a way that the impression was given yeah. that the child was nude so their peers at school may well think actually the child was nude when that yeah. was taken place and we have had problems where there's been a lot of fallback oh, no. and and these adverts even so, you know and films are out there on the internet for years yeah forever eternity so, Think about the effects yeah, post-production and yeah. post-broadcast. I guess in, in the world of advertising, it's sunshine and rainbows. You know, you're selling a chocolate bar and everyone's smiling and happy, but actually, you know, gritty police drama, sci-fi, something thriller, <clears throat> yeah, there's more, there's more in play, psychologically speaking, for the mm. child. Oh, yeah, nice. You don't always have to do it for real. No. Which is yeah. what you know some people do seem to want to do. We, you would be surprised some of the applications that get made without proper thought and planning, um, and it, it's often not appropriate. Mm. And it's not fair on the child no. to do something in innocence mm. and then find that it's going to harm them or their career afterwards. Yeah. So, okay. There's a lot of things to think about. Yeah, and then getting feels like we've we've we're hitting the hour mark and i i feel like i've we've we've spoken about a load of stuff is there anything that you'd like to wrap up anything that you'd like to mention anything that you'd like to kind of uh, tell the listeners about that they should be reading up on or going any websites to go to well the nncee.org.uk website is a very useful website with lots of resources. It does have examples of um, the legislation, links on how to find the legislation, the guidance document, which is very useful, plus the performance licence application form, and also a list of contacts with local authorities up and down the country. So if you don't know which local authority you're going to be uh, contacting regarding a particular child that's a very useful resource Uh, and the chaperone training the online chaperone training on the nspcc website is also one to be recommended you don't get a chaperone license if you do that training but it's very useful information Mm. uh, when you're involved in productions involving children amazing and always talk to the local authority. Well, that's what I was going to say, if, they, if, we, if, they, if a listener or a second or someone listening does have a question, where should they go to? They can contact the uh, NNCEE. Uh, there is a, um, a link on the website to be able to contact um, somebody who's been involved for a long time, um, myself included. Uh, the website is in the process of being redrafted, redrawn. It, hopefully by the end of the summer will be a new all-singing, all-dancing yeah. website. Uh, but that's a useful resource. Mm-hmm. Um, or other than that, um, speak to the, your the local authority. Uh, they And they can find that through the NNCEE. And then again, they can find that through the NNCEE. So the NNCEE is the hub. <laughs> Go there. Get everything that you can. It's a very useful resource. Yeah. Lots of information, lots of links uh, on there uh, and useful contact numbers as well. 
Amazing. Well, thank you. Really, really thank you for kind of giving up your time to someone who we've never actually met in person, but we've <laughs> emailed and, and spoken enough. And I thank you for kind of answering all of my questions over the last six, seven years. It's been a pleasure. Wow. Thank you. So um, I guess, film family, thank you for listening uh, on whatever platform you've listened on. Go to thetimescheduler.com to get any information, ask me any questions. Uh, and if you want to kind of ask any questions about this, more than happy to help. Um, and until the next time, that is a wrap. So that was a chat with the king or queen in the game. I'll give it a shout at the end so you all know the name. It's the Film Gods Podcast. The what? The Film God Podcast. For today's episode, I'd like to highlight the work of a fantastic industry charity. The film and TV charity supports people in the UK film and TV industry at every stage of their career and beyond. From their important work on mental health, which led to the creation of the Whole Picture Programme, and their help for crew being affected by COVID-19. If you, a member of your family or a friend who works in the industry, needs help or someone to talk to, please go to filmtvcharity.com dot org dot uk